0: back to the why hockey we're actually living up to the periodical podcast tag now i know you all enjoyed us doing podcasts basically daily but you know time to take a little bit of a break and i had to take a break because watching the u.s mexico game recording this monday after that happened was like watching panthers lightning it was insane and exhausting
1: yeah a few of the other nhl playoff series that hopefully we will touch on have also been very exciting and uh Montreal is looking like a real juggernaut, or at least that's the Canadian headlines right now.
0: Well, at first the Jets looked like a juggernaut. Now the Canadians look like a juggernaut. Have anybody considered that neither are that good and they followed teams that tripped on their own? You know what?
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely... I think Winnipeg can be good. Their coach and their defense is holding them back. I think Montreal is better than people give them credit for. In the same way that I said Nashville was going to give... Uh, carolina more trouble than people thought uh montreal is better than people think like if you look at some of their forwards to foley those guys produce goals at a uh, pretty high clip when you look at their time on ice and that kind of stuff um and then you look at their centers like suzuki kakaniemi those are two young players that i would really like to have Yet on cole caulfield who's playing now if they can get uh romanov uh playing on the blue line and instead of some of their other defenders, I think they could really round out the team. They need I don't think
0: Petrie's hurt.
1: yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think they're that bad, but I mean, if you think about the New York Islanders, a lot of people say like, oh, wow, they're built for playoff hockey. They, you know, they're a pretty solid team, blah, blah, blah. You know, Montreal's the, especially with the North division being uh weak, you could say for, just to be sh- short simple about it uh, you know they're kind of the New York Islanders of that division and they're able to uh, you know basically yeah they don't have the, the talent that Vegas or Colorado or uh, Tampa Bay has but what they do have is a group that all 100% commit to the team defensive system the four check system uh, the roles on the team uh, and that matters when you think about playoff hockey, where a series can be won and lost based on just a little individual board battle or uh, a 50 50 puck race to a rebound uh, in the slot. Who gets there first, and whether it's a clear for the def- defense or a goal uh, into an open net for the Fords and, like, you know, the end of a game seven when it's close. That's how, you know, these myths of playoff hockey and overgeneralizing and and the old cliches are formed but you know in in one aspect it is true and montreal is riding that wave where everything's going right and uh when you're playing like that and everything's going right you can beat a team like winnipeg you know pretty handedly Uh,
0: and especially when mark sifley did something stupid
1: Mm. I don't know if you want to talk about that with me. Well,
0: I think we can get to it later. I want to focus first on the Panthers. And we are doing this a long time after game six. You didn't really need to hear us talk about game six after it happened. We wanted some time to digest, you know, everything that went on, hear what the players said, hear what the coaches and GM said.
1: Everyone pretty much knows what happens. And and also, I think
0: we were doing so many podcasts, I think we wanted to give ourselves a little bit of a break. I mean, and let's be fair, if the Panthers had beaten the Lightning, we would have still done that. But, you know, now that they lost, we wanted to give ourselves a little bit of time to digest and relax. I think when you look at just the overall structure of that series and you now watch, I guess, what's Tampa's doing to Carolina, and that series is so many ways, is almost identical to the Panthers series. They won the first two games on the road, really close, quick, like one-puck games, then they had an overtime power play in game three, coming back from a 2 nothing deficit, screwed up, and then gave up an overtime winner, and then scored six in a track beat in game four. I mean, the series, I mean, they're different in many ways, but they feel very similar to the Panthers series. And I feel bad for Hurricanes fans because, you know, we're watching it as neutrals now. I don't really care who wins either way. I like both of those teams in terms of just the way they play hockey. And you're watching them, and you're going, boy, this is almost a carbon copy of the last series, and Tampa just... Knows what they're doing. They have the ability to just make those little plays when you don't, and they're opportunistic in a way that no other team is, and that comes with years of playoff experience. And they're doing it to the Hurricanes, who are banged up and bruised. And I feel bad because that team's really good. But Tampa is just another level of knowing what you have to do to win in the playoffs.
1: Well, yeah. Yes and no. I mean Tampa definitely has a playoff experience and Carolina resembles Florida in that they can't finish and they focus more on shot attempts than quality scoring chances and focusing on finishing those chances when they have the puck Um, and you know that's kind of been Carolina's downfall. Another thing that Carolina hasn't been able to do is for whatever reason Brenda Moore and Carolina can't seem to respond and react to the uh the tightening up of tampa bay they haven't really done too much but they've applied more pressure in in the right spots on the ice in the safe zones and they've simplified their neutral zone play and Florida couldn't handle it when Carolina and Tampa Bay did that to them. Now Carolina is struggling it with Tampa Bay, and like you said, that's just a better team, more experienced team, that's knowing what, knowing what to do. Um, but at the same token, I think Carolina has been a little unfortunate. Uh, I, I hate both of these teams, and uh, and uh, you know I really just can't stand them. Uh, so I really don't mind that this has happened, but Tampa Bay has gone away with so many penalties. I mean, Kucherov and uh, Stamkos have not only just been letting off one-timers on the power play, but on 5-on-5 and on the power play, have just been taking guys out with, like, leg checks and hip checks. Like, not even just, like, stationary get-in-the-way picks. Like, not trying to hurt them, but, like, really just trying to, like, bruise them while picking them uh, and getting in their way. And that's just, I just wish at some point it would get called. Uh, you know, well, it's, yeah, and that's
0: just what, and, and I, I hate it. You know, you hate that kind of stuff from players who, you know, you wish they would not do that, but that's
1: just what it yeah. does. I, I mean, it's it, it like I said, I don't mind the, you know, a player dumps it in and the defender makes it a little harder to get the puck and rubs them out and, you know, presses them against the boards or, you know, on the four check guys are skating through and hitting guys and finishing their checks. Not, you know, way after the puck's gone, but, you know, getting there and being there to challenge them when they have the puck so you can make the hit. And that's the difference of playoff hockey versus regular season. There's guys aren't standing around as much guys aren't floating as much guys aren't being as conservative. It's a more of an always on pressure situation Tampa Bay has picked that up against Carolina, uh, and Carolina hasn't been able to, to kind of respond with composure and execution.
0: Same thing that happened to the Panthers at times yep. in that series, right? When they and, just... and it's
1: kind of one of those things like you don't have it, you don't have it, you don't have it, and then all of a sudden as a team you do, and then then you're the Tampa Bay that's doing it to another team.
0: And that's And I think that's Carolina and Florida are both really good teams. And you know, I'd say Carolina's better than the Florida, really the good regular
1: season teams.
0: Well, the thing with the Hurricanes, you'd think their style would be better suited to the playoffs than the Panthers, but, who are playing well, run and gun all the time. You know, but you we talked about,
1: we, well, yeah, because they they have the the compete mentality. They win those puck battles outside of you know the middle lanes, uh, and, and they keep the cycle going. And they get all the shot attempts. In the past, they've been let down by goalies, but I think this year—I mean, I don't know if it, you want to say it's the accumulation of injuries, Trocheck included. Trocheck um, and
0: Niederreiter not being there—I I can't blame the goalies. It's they, like it's—it's it's the same thing. Like you're blaming Mrazek for game right. four. You can't do I, that. I, I,
1: yeah, you can't. The, the issue is same with the Panthers. Same with uh, you know Toronto. They haven't finished their opportunities. Yeah, like some of their guys have to enough of an extent, but given how much pressure or given just looking at the stats and the numbers and the expected goals and stuff like they should be doing much better. Not saying that I a hundred percent believe in all that or think that, you know, you know, those are the actual, you know, expected goals are what you should expect or anything, but there's an issue between the quantity and quality for Carolina or at the very least the execution and finish of their chances. They should be faring better. And I look at it and I'm not seeing bad luck all the time. I'm seeing plays players that aren't, don't have the composure or the experience to get the better chances in the playoffs and know how to get the, get extra plays goals in the playoffs. I mean, what Tampa does is they work both the high danger East to West passes that advanced stats and and everybody really likes that creates those high xg chances but then they also work the get pucks low to high crash the net with intent and beat guys for rebounds and when you do you put the pucks up high and you beat the and you make sure they get on net you know you hard hard shots you know you get them on net you don't you don't stick handle you don't you know a lot, of, you know, the Panthers, Duclair, every time he'd pick up a rebound and stuff, sometimes he'd stick handle before he take the shot. You know, they're just pouncing on him and pounding him dead hard, you know, hard, you know, to the back of the net into the soft spots, and they're just making sure that they hit the inside of that net. If the goalie saves it, the goalie saves it, but if you do that enough, they'll go in.
0: Well, the other thing that Tampa does, and it's really, really evident, because it's happened to Carolina, too is their forwards, when they're in those areas in front of the crease, they have such good positioning and awareness, how to get free, to get their sticks right. How many games and times did you see in that Panther series, oh, here's Alex Klorin getting a stick out and deflecting it in front of the net. It happened against Carolina, yeah. too. And that's it's just a, what Tampa does.
1: It's a difference. I mean, Tampa's really good off the rush, but and so are the Panthers, but... Tampa Bay is also really good with the small area games and and the triangle offense hockey and, you know, winning those puck battles in the crease and stuff and capitalizing on it. That's based on the way that they're, you know, coached, the way they practice, you know, the drills they do and things like that. And, you know, if the Panthers the Panthers have kind of been focusing on the team flow, the team cohesion, up and down the ice mentality, and they're not getting, you know, the next level is once you kind of get that, hopefully they're going to start adding in some of this other stuff because that's needed in the playoffs and that's where they're getting beat. Those little bumper passes, you know, with the, in the triangle and, and, you know, not understanding the way that puck is going to flow and move through the forwards and how to defend that and, you know, not getting tricked and deceived and, and baited so easily um and consistently you know that's going to keep you alive longer in the ser- in the series and in games of the playoffs
0: and carolina is having the similar kinds of issues with it and as much as i want to say like these teams are definitely flawed but some of it is just tampa's really friggin good and i think maybe because this regular season and tampa is now taking on regular seasons as, yeah. as if they don't matter and of course they were able to do what that's, they did with kucherov yeah. and we we talked about that before And that's the luxury
1: of being a team. I mean, people are saying, like, oh, they're $17 million over the cap. Cool. Go do that then. Like, Viola has the money. If you don't think Viola has the money to be $17 million off the cap and doesn't want to hire people who can make that happen when they're good enough to win him a Stanley Cup, or if they've already earned his trust by winning a Stanley Cup, and that's not Tampa's first Stanley Cup, by the way, so it's an organization that's proven they can win and win again uh you know then you can do that stuff it's the luxury of winning and that's where florida wants to be so don't complain about it complain be I mean, like why Hurricane what can we do about it you know yeah and, what and can I... we do to be that i mean look at carolina carolina guy, with a guy like Dunden in the owner seat he's definitely thinking to himself how can i use my money to do that
0: i mean i've still seen plenty of hurricanes fans complain about the 98 million dollar power play and listen right i mean it Good. is what it is. I understand that.
1: Do people but... not remember the Detroit Red Wings with like the Fedor- like how much Fedorov was getting paid and like you know all this like the teams that they put together and like. I mean, we they were, were saying it they about were...
0: Toronto. If the Leafs were winning, I mean, they can't win, so we're not saying that. But you know, teams can do that. If you find an exploit, uh, an exploitation of the system, you should do it if I... it's legal.
1: And you can only do so much of it and everything you do comes with an inverse reaction, like not having Kucherov for a while. And, you know, that involves getting the player to go along with it, having a necessitating circumstance and and all of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's just so pointless. If anything, it should be something that like, you know, you aim for. Well, listen, it,
0: and, 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 and I think this season is one that will never be replicated because you're not going to be able to get somebody to sit out 82 games yeah. with a injury that does not require you to sit out a season. It's just never going to happen. And,
1: and to be honest, Panthers better hope that this stuff kind of continues uh, because Bobrovsky's cap hit. and uh, Ah, you're going to say Robbie Island him. Well, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, Florida, again, should want to – For as like the hard cap sucks. Everybody doesn't like salary caps. This shouldn't have happened, but guess what? It's here. It's not going to change. And guess what? We're looking at a flat cap for the next eight years or whatever. Well, not eight, but enough of time that yeah. I mean, it's looking like three or four years, and you know, after that, you got to be hopeful. So let's be utilitarian about this. We need to win now with Barkovs. Let's utilize what we can get with a flat cap yeah, maybe to to escalate our spending power and and our and Florida's chances of winning, they should definitely look into doing what Tampa's doing. And we should definitely not be making fun or calling that into light because hopefully one day we will be doing the same thing. Hopefully it's not like, you know, Huberto sitting out all year or something and it's and it's just like I mean, Bobrovsky three years down the line or two years down the line where you know I mean, he has I a hip no injury
0: than if you can pull it off and if you can pull yeah. it off do it it's allowed it's legal anyway I, when you look, go for this season for the panthers and i think watching this carolina series just reminds us tampa's still pretty damn good and the panthers ran into with a team without their best defenseman let's be clear although that's not an excuse uh, they I still don't, ran into everybody's
1: still, injured blow, i don't want to hear it everybody dealt with covid everybody dealt with so much adversity and all that stuff it, it this year more than any year it shouldn't it shouldn't be an excuse because even with all that it was winnable
0: yeah it was winnable they didn't win it and and a lot of that is the panthers are flawed and i think every team in the nhl basically bar the lightning and maybe the abs are flawed you know and so again i'm not begrudging the panthers losing to a team that is extremely friggin' good uh but it's going to motivate them to do better and i think that everything you heard and you can take whatever you want out of postseason interviews from the players the coaches and Bill Zito himself but the talk that you heard was not we're happy with this they're like I really hated losing that I'm really really motivated to come back in September and do better and Bill Zito's comments like I have to be better we all have to be better we can each get better each and every day these kind of things are platitudes but it's the sign of an organization that says all right we got here but we're not satisfied and you know let me be honest. It is a low bar to clear. It's the Florida Panthers. We've talked about this endlessly on Y Hockey, but that's at least a good mindset to have going in the off season, And it shows that they are prepared to do what it takes. To now me, it just to shows that, that they're level.
1: prepared to do the bare minimum. But yeah, I hear you.
0: I, I mean, to me, it is. With
1: it your disclaimer, like, I hear you.
0: Yeah. I mean,. I I can understand being cynical about it because it is – I mean, I'm not
1: being cynical. I just want to see what they do about it and everything because, like, they should be mad. They let a good chance slip away their fingers. Toronto's out. Edmonton's out. you got some really good players on the outside looking in. Washington, I mean, you're – Colorado and Vegas, one of those teams is going to be out. That's not something – that you can really foresee, you know, I wouldn't be too, I think Florida, Boston, Florida Islanders, that is a winnable series. And, you know, they could have beat Carolina, you know, it was, a they let a chance slip and you don't know how many chances you can have. I, they had to be upset. And if they're not, they have to be more than upset though. They have to be smart and they have to get better and improve and, understand where they where they really made the mistake
0: yeah here's the here's the difference that i see because the last two times we were in this position the bubble is irrelevant it doesn't count last two times the panthers were in this position in 2012 that was a complete accident of a season then they went into a lockout and reality hit them really hard in 2016 and i remember seeing jay fresh post a, a graphic of this after um montreal beat toronto like the panthers islanders series the five years ago was one of the most lopsided in terms of chances, expected goals, whatever you will, uh, that the team on the wrong side of it won. And then the Panthers overreacted and did a bunch of stupid things. We don't need to rehash that. The thing that I think about this team compared to that one is... It seems that there is an organizational plan. There's going to be no overreacting, freaking out. We have to change everything because we should have won that series and lost. This is okay. We're mad that we lost to Tampa, and we're going to do everything we can to be better, and we still have a plan that we're going to follow, and we have a vision that we're going to follow. And that, to me, seems different. There isn't the same sort of signals we saw out of the Panthers after that 2016 series. And that, again, you just hired a new GM, so it obviously would be a little different. But that, to me, is the positive, which is you saw a team take that step with a new GM in his first season in a year with a flat cap and a pandemic and all that. Now, next year is going to be much more normal. I mean, there's still going to be a flat cap, but it's going to be a much more normal season. And you see this team saying, we accept the challenge. We now know we have to take that next step, and we've got to find that way, and every one of us has to be better. And that is, at least in the public messaging, a very positive sign. And does it mean that they're going to actually do what they need to do? We are far away from finding that out. But from the talk that you hear and the fact that they just signed Anton Lindell to an entry-level contact a day after the World Championships, you know it shows you they're determined to get their business done, and they are going to execute whatever plan that they have whatever that plan may be whether we agree with it or not. And you could say Tommy, the first season for this general manager and this front office was a very good one. They made a lot of moves and even the moves we didn't like ended up working out much better than we thought. So they have a plan and they execute on that vision. They just now have to do it again at a higher level and that's not a given.
1: Yeah, and and I will say again just to reiterate your point which I think, you know, was despite the limitations in the short time that they've been here, both Quinville and Zito felt like they could have done better this year and gotten better results this year. And this
0: is a team that finished fourth in the league overall. And
1: and, and I agree with that. I mean, I do think, you know, I think Zito, I mean, I'm not trying to say – zito really messed up or anything but i think Zito's going back and right now thinking about what he didn't do at the trade deadline what he maybe didn't do going into the season if it was you know a, a, whether it was a move he could have made and didn't make or a signing or, or whatever or not pushing for a player to be played earlier or quinville you know with the goalies if you change something or uh with you know with the d if they would uh, do something a little different um you know, hopefully that's just educational for this off season because if I'm looking at it they're they're kind of in the point where obviously they're not gonna blow it up and overreact, but you could see a decent amount of movement again in an off season um for the Florida Panthers, just because you know i I think that they understand that they do have something here, and they, but they also do need to get a good, sizable amount better.
0: Well, yeah, but good teams in, in pro sports are ruthless sometimes. And by ruthless, I mean right. you do have to make hard moves, difficult decisions, in order to get to be the team you'd like to be. That is not easy to do, and, the, and it is going to be a tricky situation for Bill Zito. And again, you're going into the Atlantic Division where – you're going to have tampa around they're not i mean they're going to have to give up players because the cap is going to come at them next year but they're going to still be tampa boston's going to re-sign taylor hall and they're going to still be pretty good toronto is going to be a good regular season team and you have a team in montreal that's probably going to make the final four even if it's a bit smoky and mirrors you know that to me means we have to be even better because they had a division this year where they finished above tampa who didn't have their best player all year other than vasilevsky i guess you could say you had Carolina, who was really good, but they're not going to be in their your division next year. And the other teams, Dallas had a year from hell. Columbus fell off the face of the earth. Nashville started terribly. They had a pretty favorable division this year. Next year, I'm not sure you can guarantee that. And that means they're going to have to be smarter. They're going to have to do things that are more creative if they want to get to where you want to get to. You, if you want to beat Tampa and Boston, you have to do things that Tampa and Boston do. And you have to do it better than them. And that is something that this organization has not yet done. And do I have more faith than ever that they can do it? Yes, because I think this front office understands that sometimes you do have to be ruthless. You do have to take a risk and a gamble. But that's not going to be easy. But as I said before, do you have faith in Bill Zito and Joel Quindle to be able to get there knowing that they have this chance, that this is a season that could be very special for this team and they can be a legitimate cup contender? Do you have the faith that they can do this? Because, I mean, you put it in the regards of Panthers history. Yes, I think that they're better equipped than any team in recent Panthers history to do that.
1: I I, I have faith in in Zito, but I definitely have the same probably attitude as Barkov's agent with which is faith is all nice and good, but um, I'm going to need to see a little more than that uh, before I put you know before I sign anything before you know, and you know that's the first thing we talk about with the off season is what happens with Barkov and what they do to this summer to help put their best foot forward in their negotiation with Barkov, because this is not just going to be a dollar amount and a year number uh and splitting up on when he wants, if he wants it in a signing bonus in July or broken up across months in a salary, yada, yada. Um, it's going to be about, well, what are the defensemen you're bringing in? What you know, maybe he wants different, like he liked the playing up top on the power play and stuff. And he wants to make sure that Brunette or whoever is going to be the power play coach is more amenable to shuffling him around instead of sticking him just in front of the net. Um, Things like that. And Barkov's definitely going to be allowed to ask for that for two reasons. One, because he's Barkov and, uh, you know, he has to be given the best players have to be given a little bit of leeway and commitment, uh, because the second part of it is he's definitely going to be leaving money on the table to stay in Florida and make it work if he stays, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I don't see him staying in Florida and signing a big money deal, blah, blah, blah. I think if he stop, if he signs, he might get 10 million for eight years or whatever. Uh, and that might be a big number to some, but uh, he could easily, in free agency, get twelve, twelve million for eight years, or some, or seven years, or something like that.
0: But um, let, let me let me make a couple points on this that I, I want to say. The first thing that I will say about this is I think it is almost I I don't want to say it's a hundred percent because you can never say these things for certain. But I think it is more likely than not that he is signed by the start of training camp. I really that do. is don't think it's
1: hilariously naive.
0: I, don't I think, think it's I think you're expect, I think
1: you're setting. I mean I think that is that is really just assuming a lot about Barkov's personality being a nice guy and everything, and that he really likes it here and and reading all the tea leaves and just you know yeah it's likely he resigns. Yes, I don't know how early, I don't know for what number, I I really don't know, but you also have to respect Barkov the competitor, and if he doesn't think he's the guy inside the room. He's the guy that's hearing their pitch of, and their plan of what they're going to do, what Viola is willing to commit to him and the people he employs and keeps their families fed and everything. And also what he, you know, what he plans to spend on the team and all this other stuff, the war memorial getting redone and everything to be in Fort Lauderdale is obviously a big sell for Sasha to stay all that stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, he needs to win. He needs to feel he has the team he can have. And, I, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't stay. Everybody said the same thing about Tavares. Oh, it's like 95% he's going to stay. He's such a nice guy. He was drafted high by them. They took the chance on Barkov. If everybody wanted Jones or Drew in and... They And they, they picked Barkov, and, you know, the the scout that wanted him, line is still there. So, obviously, he's going to resign. You know, all that lore and all that stuff is great, and it's probably going to bear out that way. And people say, see, I told you, uh, you're just being senseless, blah, 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 and, and over cynical, but, you know...
0: Let me, let me put up my reasoning why Not- I think it's going to happen before the season starts. Let me just explain why I think that's going to happen. The first thing, I don't think it's going to happen immediately. They're going to negotiate now. Bill Zito made that very clear, and Barkoff made that very clear. Now, the reason why I think it's going to happen before training camp is if it carries on into the season, it becomes a distraction. Immediately becomes a distraction. And you can't have that in the season where you need to win and especially with this group with this potential. You can't really have that going on because then you're going to hear trade rumors. The minute they go on a three-game losing streak, trade rumors. That doesn't help the team. So I think that comes in as a factor as why Bill Zito would want it done before the season, and that makes sense. The second thing I think is why it's going to be done. It's not that I think that Barkov isn't you know, loyal, because I do think he is, but the one thing I know about the Army guys that own this team and run this team is Military guys are loyal, and loyalty is valued to them. And I think because what Sasha Barkov should be saying is, I've gone through a lot of crap with you, and I'm still here, and I'm loyal to you, and you will be loyal to me. And I think, based on you know military logic or the logic of the people that own this team, they'll understand that. And that's why I, don't, I think they. I think that they will be loyal to him too, in the same way. I, I really. I, 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 I don't that, doubt
1: that they will be, and I don't think it's a, it's going to be. Oh, he the deal doesn't get signed because the Panthers don't offer him money, or he, it uh, or he doesn't feel like they 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 you know treat him well. They're obviously rolling out the red carpet and going to give him the best possible offer. It's going to come down to whether he thinks he can win there or not, or whether yeah. he wants to be there or not. And okay. I don't think there's anything Florida can do. make up his mind i think we have to understand that he is going to be given he's already been given a once in a lifetime opportunity to be just be who he is but he only has a one part in his career where he comes up to ufa he's going to be one of the hottest commodities in the league top like like he would be one of the most sought after players like, mm-hmm. I would say hot more sought-after than John Tavares, personally. Personally, I, I would say that. I would agree with that. And I think teams would kill, like literally kill people. The Teams, as we've seen with what Chicago Blackhawks are being sued about, Um Ruff. Uh, really... teams I... will do a lot of really bad things to come, to win hockey championships. So a oh, lot of well. teams would do a lot of bad things to get Barkov in the so open let me, let me go to
0: part three have... of what I think is going to happen with this. As I said, I think the off season is going to happen. Whatever it is, happens first. As I said, I don't think this happens before the draft before free agency. I think it's something that happens in that August period or early September where they will negotiate. Barkov and his agent will be very clued in on what Bill Zito is doing. Bill Zito, being a former agent, knows what these negotiations are like. And I also think, based on what's happened in Columbus and how stars have left Columbus, I think Bill Zito, you hope Bill Zito, has learned the lessons. You can't play hardball all that much in these negotiations with these stars. I don't think
1: it's going to be hardball. I really don't. I I don't think it's going to be hardball either. I really don't. I don't I think it's going to be... Whether wherever whenever they announce the deal, just like with this Lindell deal, it was announced today. It was signed, probably at the trade deadline,
0: something like that. Now, what and, do you think you this know, contract like, we, number we just, is going to be? What do you think, think, think the number is going to be? If he
1: stays, it's going to be ten million. It's going to be eight years for ten million.
0: What I said is for the Panthers, and I'm just saying this from a Panthers perspective. If they get him under ten AAV, they have they have yeah i mean it might everybody.
1: be it might be like a 9.8 or whatever for you know like it might like right now he's 5.9 he was 5.9 so, for i six think the years. other thing
0: we need to do is percentage of the cap and the one thing that makes this contract so fascinating it is going to be the biggest contract signed in a flat cap pandemic world alex petrangelo was that's signed a very that's, limited fact it is limited oh of course it is because we've only had one off season with that. did you call elias sports done. bureau for that one Ah, it, it, Elias Sports Vero. Patrick Elias Sports Vero. Yeah, I mean, but, but it is very interesting because we haven't seen a contract signed like that in this universe yet for a player yeah. like Barkov.
1: But he's like the only one coming up. In the... Well, I mean, McKinnon's
0: it. going, well, Landis Kog's not Barkov, let me be fair. And I, guess Nate, and I guess Miko Rantanen going for 9.25 as an RFA was the closest we had to that, but it wasn't UFA and he's a winger. So it's a little bit, a tiny bit different. But, like, there are other players who could yeah. come up. That like, But all of the big ones were signed in a pre-pandemic world. So, I'm saying that this is a market setter in a lot of regards for a generation of players who are going to have to spend three, four years under a flat cap, possibly.
1: Gonna, this is what's going to happen. The season, Before the season starts and everything, they probably already have it. Because... Like you said, Zito's not waiting around, Barkov's not waiting around, et cetera. They probably got the number. Like, these are the different contract options that we want. You know, here's A, B, C, whatever, Are the Barkov's camp's opening salvo. So Zito, as, like you said, a player's agent, he knows what it will ultimately take to get them to sign, like you said, before training camp. You know he knows how the sliding scale works and how it'll eventually boil down. And then you know he they'll either sign it right away and, and just get it done and, and knock it out so the number's in stone and they can just get on and build a team around that number or the whole summer he'll just have to juggle that like this is probably the number for Barkov, so this is what I can add, this is what I have to take away, blah blah blah. And then, one, and then once they do it and Barkov's camp's happy with the who fills up that space and why they're giving the discount and all this stuff and who gets that discount, uh, Barkov will be like, yep, all right, now I'll sign that deal.
0: I, I th- and, I, it, and you could go either way in saying he might want it done immediately. But as I tend to think, I think this is done after the offseason. But I think they're working at it right now. There's no way that he isn't – Bill Zito isn't in contact. With uh, whatever I, his agent's name is And I forget it and I'm sorry But like th- this is something that's like not Rosito's, his brother
1: anymore
0: it's, it's not his brother anymore uh, I've seen enough with brothers being agents Harry Kane That are really quite annoying So let's, let's not go down that road um, But I think it's going to I, And I completely agree that Barkov Should be looking at every possible opportunity to win But if you're signing in free agency In a yeah. flat cap world Doesn't necessarily mean mean you're gonna you're gonna win immediately, but I'm thinking as I say, I think it's more likely than not that this gets done before training camp. As I said, if you if it's eight years, eighty million, I would be extremely happy, and you could start writing up the Barkoff retirement ceremony where they put sixteen in the rafters. I mean,
1: think about it. He could he could sign in Montreal, be and you know they would play a game style and a playoff ready game that would fit really tailored to him. He would be a big star there. He grew up watching and being a fan of Montreal. He could sign with Colorado. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure really do that. You know, like what – I mean, you don't know what he could do or what he's thinking. And, like, I'm not saying it's like the NBA where you can call your shot and basically force a title or force a title appearance. But, I mean, it's also – not so unlikely that someone like Barkov isn't seriously considering what his actual options are and uh, really envisioning himself in other franchises and stuff because this is his, like his best chance to really lay down roots with another team and go for it. He
0: should get more money than Jack Eichel. Let's be fair. He should get more money than Jack Eichel
1: because Jack
0: Eichel is demonstrably worse, but we also know that Jack Eichel is probably going to get traded this off season. So that's yeah, I mean just just by but, way I mean,
1: of not being problematic. Yeah.
0: Uh yes, uh, and yes, he is the beautiful, lovable Finnish-Russian boy that we have. Yeah, and, the coaches his want,
1: DMs want. He's not somebody he that's is. sitting out and want. You know, well, it's
0: not even distractions. I think it's just that you know, there's there is that. Uh, well, also, he's just better. <laughs> but there's also that, and I hope he wins the Selkie this well, year. Well, yeah. Like, he... but but but, let's, but but as I said, I think the, the upshot of it, from my view, is. I think they get it done before training camp. I think they're going to work extremely hard to get it done. And if it, 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 it as I said, I don't think it's done immediately. I think it's done by the mill. Like the talk around the league is very much that, oh, Barkov was definitely considering it, considering walking. But then this season happened and it proved, okay, at least they can win but now.
1: You, but like, it doesn't. What What do you mean? At least they can, well, what okay, do they at, what least least
0: they at least they prove they can be competent,
1: you know? Okay, cool. Cool. So now being confident means means what? You draft fifteenth and sixteenth every year? Cool. That until it's dotted and signed, it's not done. It's not You're done. Right. And, You're I, right. and and Florida fans should not take take for granted this because guess what? Like at the end of the day, it guys just he's he's an individual Who's being given giving a once in a lifetime opportunity and being counseled by multiple people, giving him multiple perspectives. And he's going to have his own feelings and thoughts. And it might not be what you want it to be.
0: Again, you are hundred percent right. Or
1: what the public persona of him would lead you to believe it would be.
0: As, as I said, it is something I think gets done. It's not hundred percent. I think
1: but- it gets done too. And I said 10 million for eight years.
0: If, if they, as Huge a my, discount. My, I will call my, that a huge discount. It is a huge disc- discount for what he'd be worth on the open market. And it is, again, Connor McDavid signed for a discount. Austin Matthews signed for a discount. They all do. Uh, in the end, in a flat cap, well, in a cap world, especially in a flat cap I, world.
1: I um, wouldn't call uh, what McDavid signed for as a discount, given uh, his performance as oh boy. in the playoffs. But.
0: Oh, boy. Okay, so let's go over the rest of this offseason for the Panthers and what we think could be happening uh just briefly we want to talk about other playoffs Frank series, draft, Toronto
1: see you later uh that Frank definitely Frank. seems like a thing he, he had a good enough year like so this is the thing sometimes you trade players who you may want to keep but they're good enough so like it's I always use this example it's and I hate to do this because Chris Tarrion is a great commentator now um and I wish he wasn't like oh by the flyers because he was really good but it was it's the tarion and mcgillis theory i have back in the flyers after they got bounced by the red wings uh you know they they needed to change some of their d they trade they ended up trading dan mcgillis who also wasn't really good but they had to trade mcgillis and keep tarion even though fans kept saying they'd rather trade tarion and kept mcgillis because at least he was a little better but you can't get someone to take your worst asset all the time. Sometimes you get the, you can only trade, you have to trade the better asset because that's the one that people want. So Frank for Toronto is somebody, Hey, if you need to get Anton Stroman's contract gone, if you, you know, like if you're trying to move a bad contract, you're trying to get Seattle to steer towards taking somebody, um, Bertrano is a guy who had a lot of overtime or game winning goals. Uh, he's a very streaky guy. We know what he is. We know what he's capable of. Florida can, can replace that.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing I would say is even if it's not in an expansion deal, which of course it could be, you could still trade him to any team in the league, and they would be like $2.53 million for a guy who could possibly get you 20 goals in your middle six. Sure.
1: I mean, they'll go. Yeah, but, sure. But yeah, but what team is. Possibly going to want to play Frank Vitrano that much.
0: Well, whatever's on his contract this year, yeah. you can sign it. There will be teams. Yeah, it's the it's NHL. You That's can what trade I'm saying. Him for a draft You're, pick.
1: Yeah. You, like I said, yes, you can trade him, and I think Florida will, or they might.
0: I think it's. I think it's the. It's the easiest, cleanest move you can make from the forwards because the other reason why you do it is because we've talked about it. I'm obviously anton is going to be a panther next year. It's a matter of where he plays, but also you you want to play Gregory Denisenko, you want to play Heponniemi, you need to get lineup spots available for them and getting and trading Vitrano is one way to free up Cap space, which you will need, and it also gives you a chance to play Denisenko and Heponiemi and get them the games that they need to be the players they need to
1: be need, yes said <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I said need, yeah, but uh anyway, uh, yeah, and I think. You know, the the real question is, Bennett, Wenberg, I mean Duclair, what do Mm -hmm. they do with them? Uh, Bennett's
0: gonna come back. I have no idea what the contract looks like. I really don't know. uh,
1: I don't know. I think he will come back, uh, but that is a scary contract to look at based on the the blips of high success, the media hype around it that he can go into arbitration with, and the fact that the sunk cost fallacy, where they're going to be less likely to want to just move on and take a take what they can get for him because they've put in a lot and fans are attached to him and they feel like they have to get so much more of a value to make it worth walking away. To me, that's just a risky area that I'm uncomfortable about what's going to happen to me. Wenberg, it's like a no brainer. He's super defensive. Um, He can play the wing. He seems comfortable uh, playing all the different roles, doing the stuff that the scores don't want to do. The young guys don't want to do, which is play defense, play penalty kill, uh, get moved down the lineup when guys come back from injury or guys like Sam Bennett get hot or get added into the lineup. Um, And, That's something that a team like Florida desperately needs. What if Lundell can't play center three weeks into the season and needs to be moved to the wing? You can put Wenberg 3C, and I have a lot more faith of that working out um, than a Bennett-Lundell pairing with Bennett under center Uh, because, you know, it's just is a much better nurturer, a supporter, um, you know, just the way he plays. He's much better worrying about taking F3 and all that kind of stuff. And that'll allow Lundell to just get in on the Ford truck, hound pucks, be around the crease and get greasy goals and gain confidence, things like that. So I don't want Wenberg to be the sacrificial lamb because the Bennett contracts or the Bennett arbitration ruling is so high. Um, and I, I same with no Duclark, because he's ar- be. he's arbitration eligible too so is lamico so is Walmart I think what you're going to see is they are going to move out some of these uh arbitration guys or they're going to handle them very quickly because they cannot spend that much time focusing on arbitration cases or negotiating hardball to avoid ne- arbitration cases when they have to fix the defense when they have to sign Barkov mm-hmm. um, when they have to do a lot of other stuff there's so, some oh, on I, I defense be, there's Gustav Forsling there's Noah Juleson what the heck is Lucas Carlson there's Chase Prisky obviously Chase Prisky you just walk away from you don't even tender so that's an arbitration case you don't have to deal with because um, that's just an AHL contract you don't need when you have Kierstad Ludwig Gilden Ah, uh, because he's coming back from Bakersfield, where he was MVP for Bakersfield. Um, so he's kind of rehabbing his prospect status right now outside the org. So you want to bring him back in, um, and you got to clear out some room. Yes, you do. Uh,
0: um, so let's let's go point out just a couple things here. They have thirty contracts for next year as of this moment. Yeah. They have thirty. Um, the cap space and cap friendly because of the way they structured it for the playoffs. It, the cap space it says eight point eight. It's it's more than that in reality, but it it is a fascinating uh, a, a spot that they're in. I think, as you said, I think they're going to bring back Bennett, but I think it's going to be a bridge deal because neither side really knows what's going to happen at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something very close to – he's gotten two-year deals the last two contracts. He's going to want more, but I think it's got to be something like two years. We'll we'll figure Uh, out what that might be. I I think it's two. I I think it's two.
1: Well, when it comes to the length, I think you're right. When you have arbitration eligible forwards, their length – unless – you are really friendly with the player. And, hey, Bennett and Zito might be given what I think transpired.
0: Going to to, I think Duclair's not going to right. arbitration.
1: Yeah, I, I hope that too. But, you know, usually it is a one- or two-year deal because if it goes to arbitration, you're only getting one- or two-year deals. So I think that kind of boxes you in. But, um yeah. I think
0: both sides in, the, in those cases are going to be like, we – This has been a – especially for Bennett because he just got traded here and he got red hot quickly. It's one of those things where I want to see what that situation evolves. If you're – okay, let's say if it's a two-year $6 million, it's $3 million It's a slight raise on what he has now,
1: slight. I, I I think he's going to probably ask for four or five hoping to get three and a quarter.
0: Which, again, I think to me for next season would be reasonable. It wouldn't be a terrible, terrible deal. Duclair, I don't know what that contract looks like, but it's... because Duclair and Zito have a relationship and because Duclair, I think, has fit in well, it, I, I know you all saw the, the story from the one guy whose name is escaping me right now, and I apologize. Well, he,
1: he, so... he's the, uh, I think he is the Broward County well, Chair he, I think of I he worked or in, something. He worked
0: in politics in some way in Broward County. You're, you're correct, and I apologize for forgetting his name but that story of his son saying naming his little teddy bear Duclair cuz he's brown and plays hockey like me like that, you you bring somebody back after you see that story that's a no brainer right,
1: and that's yeah. what i'm saying
0: Duclair has been Duclair is great for this market in particular and also he just feels comfortable here i think he he gets you know his chance to relax and settle he doesn't want to go to another place and i don't think any other place would treat Anthony Duclair the way the Panthers have and the yeah. way they've dealt with Duclair this year has been exceptional but and i the, think that that's a you know, and that's, and that's exceptional
1: so, minus the fourth line time. But minus
0: the fourth line crap, yes. But the, I mean, in terms of what is with the him number? Player,
1: what, what's the number? Because the argument, and and what this all comes down to is, what it was his goal scoring. You know, is it, was it, is it things he needs to work on to score more goals, or was it just bad luck? because is going to argue that his value is xxx because this was just bad luck with goals. And obviously if it goes to arbitration, Florida would then have to argue that like you no, know, you took a lot of the you did a lot of these like wrap around chances, you did a lot of these like just drive around and hold the puck, hold the hold the puck and you could have made these passes which could have got you a couple more assists or you know, those types of things which you can break down. I mean, cuz to me everything else Duclair did and I don't want to just sound like I'm dinging Duclair, but everything else he did was very good. But th- very good in everything puts him in Sam Bennett territory. Or you know, like not even Sam Bennett territory and he's going to want to be better than Sam Bennett because in his eyes he's Barkov's winger, he which is a lot better which should be around He's probably gonna be looking for four foreign change. Especially I, I, I if it's a it's commitment deal. Yeah, but, like you know. I don't
0: think it's gonna be and because the Panthers have the 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 commitment, I, I just don't think you're gonna see a commitment deal for him either, just because I mean, of the but situation that's what he, they're in. That's what he might want. And and listen, That's negotiations what he's gonna start, start with.
1: I mean, he started with more last year than that. He
0: did. And then
1: what the pandemic happened. So,
0: I mean, we right, will, but just, again, I I we both think that Bennett And, and now he's going
1: to say the pandemic over.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, but the pandemic's not over when it comes to the cap. And Wenberg Wenberg and you're right. Listen, I want to bring him back cuz he's hot and I like staring at No, I'm kidding. Uh he's a great hot Yeah, I
1: don't mind like that too. I mean, that's I mean, something that a, I intrigue. There's not a bad reason the for to sign Wenberg. I mean, I would he's 26. I would I would try to do like a Three-year contract with them. I, yeah, I think. I
0: think that you could eat. It's again. How can we fit all of this into the larger picture, where Barkoff's going to get a big raise in the following season? And I think. And again, they have a cap guy in Brayden Birch, who Bill Zito I, he mentioned. We have been working over scenarios after scenarios, so they're definitely prepared with how they need to work the cap. That there is not like they have a guy who's ready to do that. Every team should. But I'm. I'm the,
1: like the bigger it, issue. I think you know because. I don't. I think they have more room to play with the forward money and everything, the forward budget and all of that stuff. And yes. I think there's there's we we trust them to be smart enough to know that they can't sign them all and they can't do everything and and at least one of these guys is probably going to be shed or you know is going to have to take a big clip to stay. Or and you I know. think
0: that means and I think and you and I both agree that Vetrano is probably just the odd one out based on numbers. And,
1: but I think what it also means is, you know, I think looking at those forwards talking about, well, I want Duclair coming back. I want Bennett coming back. I want this person coming back. Then I'm thinking, Brendan Montour's gone then. like, He is.
0: I think he's gone. I know they said they want to re-sign him, but I don't think they're. I, the only way you can re-sign him is if it's for really, really cheap.
1: But, I mean, like, not really, really cheap, and then you also have, probably have to move out new plus. And, and uh, well, let's, let's go over a couple of other things. When we
0: talk about the defense, we have an expansion draft and the Panthers are going to lose somebody. And we, we will get to that in a second. Anton strahlman has gone. That's a hundred percent gone. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know what they're going to have to give up to do it, but he's gone. That is a hundred percent a guarantee I think yeah. it, I don't know. I mean, know obviously, if, if you were,
1: if this was NHL 21, your first thing would be to try to trade Strawman, Vertrano, and something a pos- prospect, that picks, some combination of both, uh, to, Seattle. To, to Seattle. But I don't uh, think it has to be maybe Dredger I mean, rights or something as well. Dredger,
0: you could do a pro- like. I think it's possible, but I do think that you also have the ability to do it to a trade like Buffalo or New Jersey, or a team with cap space who could absorb it. Any better defenseman? I, I, like.
1: I will say this. There's also the chance that Strawman is not on their radar for anything because the way Strawman was relied upon and stepped up after he was brought in in the playoffs, uh, I I'm not sure he does. He isn't said like, hey, wave your wave your en- no movement clause or whatever. To-. He has
0: a no trade, a modified no trade.
1: So that means oh, so he does he's. He, he has
0: to be. We'd be protected in the expansion draft, so I'm gonna go. No, so that's this. what I'm saying. Like he can be. Like he saying, can be exposed.
1: Hey, he can be exposed. Like you know, we'll keep you if you if you get if you know you're not picked and all that stuff. But well, Seattle would not pick him. They're one of smart people. The reason we don't know that the reason is, you know, his money goes away when Barkov's money start, and if they want him here i can I can see that he stays because there is money everywhere misspent up and down this budget this is a this is a bunch of band aid cap space that they can finagle move and and figure out um you know we've talked about forsling and and that is again depending on what his ask is and all that stuff that is a big chunk of cap space that they can play with to move other cap space. Obviously, I would like Forsling brought back and everything. But, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be tough. If he's asking for a lot of money. Well, again,
0: like, what are you asking for if you're Gus Forsling? Like, this season, he – what was his numbers? He had – he looked at his – he played 43 games. He had 17 points. Like, it's not a number that's going to be lunacy. I mean, he played a ton.
1: his camp's going to be pointing to – The minutes. The minutes – and the advanced stats and all this stuff he did from Eckblad's injury down pointing to that he is a bonafide second pair defenseman. You can't say he's not. And a second pair defenseman gets four, five, five mil, period. Can uh, Florida afford to pay that? Like, well, can if they? that's what he's asking for, no. Like, but that's what his argument is going to be. And when you look at Monore, is coming off a contract that's at three, eight, when you look at Mackenzie Weegars, you know his contract was three two five, and that was you know signed before he kind of blew up and that you know all that well, stuff. Núñez was two seven. You know he's you know he's gonna get that.
0: I I think that contract is a, is a very interesting question and it, it is something I think they're gonna try to keep him because obviously Joe Corde likes have... it a lot.
1: But they have to figure they they're gonna have to promise him a lot of ice time they're gonna have to do something give him a lot of years they're gonna or give him like actual term like a three or four year contract or something to get that number to I something friendly
0: well we'll we'll see with that because that's, that's what it's gonna take
1: deal. I think because he's going to know that you know he can get. Three or he's he's gonna get four million for two years if he goes into arbitration, or four million for one year, and then that's gonna be his price tag forever. As and he's always gonna be labeled a top four defenseman, and you know what that and you know what that gets in the open market.
0: I I am not entirely sure about, but let's go to expansion draft and some of the things that are possible with this. Now it's the same rules as we know from Vegas and the Panthers. Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about that Vegas I wish- expansion draft anymore.
1: Uh, it doesn't really matter, so yeah. I, I, obviously, no. because of how Marcia Show and Smith are still in the playoff with the Knights, we hear about them constantly right now. But if they were on the Panthers, they'd be golfing, and whoever the Panthers gave up would be playing well in the Knights and still in the playoffs. And you'd be like, "Oh man, how did we lose that third line center? Or how would you know this or that?" And we wouldn't have Carter Verhage, and everybody would be pissed off that we don't have a million-dollar first-line player. Okay,
0: Sorry. so let's let's focus on. I don't know the precise rules, but I, I think let's start with this. And what, I, will I mean, what's
1: there to talk about for expansion draft? They're gonna oh, okay. they're gonna pick some. They're gonna pick. There's gonna be a defenseman that they're gonna leave. Exposed or they're going to take Dredger if they think they can sign him. and that's what's going to be. I mean, yeah, it's, I
0: mean, I agree. With, I agree with you that the one thing that I think is interesting. Maybe is maybe will take they a can, tru- or
1: Whether you know, they
0: can get Yandle, the wave is no move, so they can protect. Forsling is basically the thing that I think. Because I think they're doing seven forwards because I think they have to protect Owen Tippett. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's a minimum number of games. He's on his entry level. They don't have to worry about Denisenko or players like Lindell or Spencer Knight doesn't have to be protected. But I think Tippett might have to be. And in that case, you really need to do seven forwards. So if they can get Yandel to wave his no move and say, listen, we may not trade you or whatever this case may be with Yandel. If they wave his no move and they do Ekblad, Wieger and Forsling, I don't really care if they lose Gutis or, or Nudivara. I think one of those two is more than likely gone in that scenario. I don't think they, I think if I'm, if I'm Vegas, I think of uh, Vegas, excuse me. If I'm trying to think like Vegas, I'm trying to think in Seattle's point of view. I think Drieger is a possibility and they can get him under contract because teams are going to need goalies. And I think there would be much more interest in Drieger than, I mean, there are other goalies out there who are just going to cost more money. Uh, but I, yeah. if it's not Drew I, mean, I think it's one of – I think it's Radko Gudas personally.
1: Ba- yeah. I mean, there's – it's – And if they you, lose
0: Gudas, then that frees up cap space. That frees up a spot for a defenseman.
1: Yeah. Who cares? I mean, they're, they're going to lose somebody. It'll be fine. They'll get over it. The big thing is to just let Seattle have their pick. You protect the guys you want to make sure you keep, and then you let Seattle pick their poison. Don't try to I, – I mean, unless you think that you can entice them with Vertrano and something and Strauman, I don't know. But I, I think getting into those talks is just tempting yourself to make yourself a fool. And that's what Talon did. He got himself into a conversation and got probably got – and he got had. Well, yeah, yeah. and whatever. Who cares? It, it didn't matter. The Florida Panthers are better today, and that trade actually probably helped. So who cares? So um, let's
0: also focus on the one big offseason acquisition that we've talked about repeatedly on this show, and that is the top four defensemen that they need to add to get themselves to the level they need to be at to compete with Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and that's going to cost something. I, I don't think that free agent is available, and no, it's no. not Dougie Hamilton.
1: No, um, no, no, no. I mean, would I be okay with Dougie Hamilton being in the Panthers' starting lineup? Yes, I, I would. I, but if I'm game planning it out and I'm mapping it out and everything, I think Florida is going to have to take a much more efficient, um, more uh, budget conscious approach uh, than Dougie.
0: Obviously, Hamilton. because you're about to sign Barkoff and you need to sign big and, deals, and they're and just I not going to be able to pay Hamilton.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and I also think you kind of are trying to divest from the money that's tied up in your back end and goaltending, and you don't do that by adding big ticket items on your back yes. end. Goaltending, you,
0: you are 100% now, correct. I, I love Doug Hamilton. Need,
1: they need big talent items for sure, but it can't be big ticket items unless they're willing to. I mean, if you can get both Yandel and Strawman off the books, then you can add a big ticket defenseman, sure.
0: But, I uh, but you have to do to that without really retaining hard. money
1: and, and all that stuff. It's, yeah. it's I And
0: I think that the, the movie gandal is going to be very, very difficult. Strawman, much less so. So I just I don't, don't think Hamilton... I don't think Hamilton's going to be the guy. And also, since it's going to get mentioned at points, I don't think Seth Jones is that guy either. He's going to want to ring the bell at some point, And that's so, a ticket I don't think the Panthers can pay either.
1: It Well, that's the thing. It's whether you believe the reports about... Now, he is a high-profile athlete with a high-profile agency, so the reports of him wanting to ring the bell are probably true. But if you can get him on a Wenberg deal, I'm not against it. (laughs) I don't know how possible that is. Because he fits the profile of, you know, he's a better mentor of he has the tools. Why is it not working out better? So obviously, I about a couple there's couple of, of guys but, who
0: they could sign that they can uh,
1: get. Real, real quick, real quick. It's going. Yandel is going to be a lot easier to move, after July 1st, because July 1st they pay a three million dollar signing bonus, and then next year there is no signing bonus, and the after the three million dollar signing bonus is base salary is only. Uh, 275 so for the team that would acquire him for the next year it'd be relatively cheap after july 1st it'd be under three million dollars in real cash or whenever so the
0: it, league year starts i think it's july 28th, right. but close enough so I, again it's it, no it i think running?
1: i think i think the the bonuses are paid on the july 1st because it's a it's a legal thing it's a contract stipulated day i think they they the nhlpa and everything settled that
0: Okay, I, but, I mean, I might be wrong on that. Now, in terms of defensemen that they could acquire, um, you have to, again, think about players who could be bargains in this in this regard. Uh, I'm just thinking uh, of guys that, that I would like. Again, they already went to the Calgary well once, and they just re-signed Rasmus Anderson to a very long-term deal. I don't think they're going to trade him, but that would be somebody I think you could be, obviously, well, it's that kind of defenseman.
1: They're susceptible to lose Oliver Shillington in the expansion draft so maybe you can trade for him beforehand if you've already worked out something with seattle to take drejer and, and vertrano or something like that so then you wouldn't have to worry about shillington and you could make that trade uh i i think that that would be good too calgary is the team that i think has that aggressive pressuring uh two-way defenseman that zito likes i think that's a very astute pick so, so what pick about so I, you know you know ottawa. a team
0: that i think the panthers could really do some business with i really think they could do business with the flyers <laughs>
1: i i'm I think not they saying could that do, just because i
0: before, think because this is this podcast i'm saying yeah, because i think that they could easily make that, a deal
1: before we get to that i think uh i would like to see what they could do with ottawa um i think ottawa's definitely in a state of mind where they're ready to make some moves and they have a lot of young defenders. Uh and Eric Grandstrom I mean, was somebody yeah, that would on that's the tree block.
0: That's a good shot. Uh,
1: and would I would love to get a hold of and and see, I think they could get him. They also picked up Victor Mete, who is another defenseman. They got him off waivers. He's arbitration eligible, so maybe, you know, moving Uh, maybe giving you know i hopefully they keep Noah juleson i think the florida panthers that'll be a cheap contract and everything should keep him but hey uh if forsling doesn't work out and everything you lose him you can maybe bring in victor mete and have another forsling type next year Uh, i've I've heard vince
0: dunn's name again in trade rumors i think we talked about that at some point yeah in trade rumors for a year
1: (laughs) yeah yeah And, and again you know it's what what are they are they committing still to this? I, I don't know if I want to tag it this Brendan Montour style D, but it's really they really leaned into it after they saw that the only defender they could really get bring in to fill the Ekblad uh, open spot was a guy like Montour, and this was the type of D that they now they, they play into. that
0: kind of defensive style even with Ekblad, but less so, and with Ekblad right. back next year in. Again, how healthy he is is another question, but he will be back next year. So right. I don't but think the, they're going to be quite. They don't
1: like that. have because Ekblad doesn't need to be full tilt all the time to extract his offense, to extract his best qualities. A guy like Montor, you know, his, his his thinking, his when he has time to think, uh, that's when he gets himself into trouble. So that's why you always have him go full tilt because then then his talent, then his natural athleticism just takes over, and that's all he is uh and and so that's the only way to get anything to work out new to is kind of the same way so you can kind of decide what you want to do with them
0: couple couple of other names i think um i don't know what nashville's thinking about matthias eckholm but if you're looking for a much more you know a stay at home kind of shutdown kind of defenseman you know a guy who can control play a little bit better from the second pair if nashville's gonna have to walk from that that's a deal i think you should be looking into Matias um, Eckholm's a guy that definitely would be interesting for the Panthers on a second pair if you're going to keep back Blatt and Uyghur together. Uh, I think that's an interesting. You, you, I mean, if you can make that happen, obviously, I definitely go for that. Um, we've talked yeah. a lot about, you know, maybe, I'm not sure about maybe necessarily somebody like Josh Manson, but you also could think about somebody at like Hampus Lindholm. He's going to need a contract after next season, but you get a year out of him. He's worth 5.2, so it would be expensive. But, again, he's a left-shot D. He's somebody who could definitely work for this team. If that's a deal you want to make, Anaheim should be thinking about that. Um, he's another guy. I mean, we, there's always been talk about some of the Minnesota defensemen. Um, there are a lot of guys available. I mean, Dumba's, if you want a little bit more of offensive, oh, action yeah. defenseman, Dumba could I'm be. I'm not sure yeah. how
1: I feel about that. But well, uh, I mean, I'm
0: just saying, like, these are yeah. names that I'm thinking about. Like, I don't think that guy is available in free agency.
1: I just don't think no, so. No, So and... you're
0: going to have to do a trade. Yeah, and this it's, is, not, it's not. going
1: really to be. It's not going to be. I mean, I would love for it to be Hampus Lindholm, and hopefully it is. I would love for it to be. Um, heck, maybe they figure out a way to get old old Ekman Larson or something. You know?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But what if it, and, what if it was a know, Flyers, like, like having to trade a defenseman? Sandheim,
1: really Sandheim. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, something like that. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of things it could be, and I'm going to trust Zito to, to find those defensemen. To me, it's got to be somebody that is a Uyghur type. It's somebody that, um, you know, obviously not the Uyghur that stepped up and, and shown himself to play 28 minutes this year, but, you know, last year's Uyghur. And, and the year, like, that's what the Panthers need is somebody who can play a solid, you know, second pair role play over 20 minutes can play both special teams if needed, can play even strength, enjoys playing defense, which means he enjoys separating the puck from the opposition, which means physically, which means without force, which means penalty killing, which means you know just playing the smart things and getting pucks up to forwards and not always rushing. Uh, the puck and not always jumping up and uh, making sure that he's taking care of his matchups and enjoying shutting down opposition players and the best players, you know, it's a little bit of Mike Weaver's attitude without being Mike Weaver,
0: Mike Weaver. Yes. I mean, so no, 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 no. Mike
1: def- Weaver. Remember? Mike oh,
0: Weaver? Weaver. Oh, I thought you said Mike. I was thinking Mike Weber. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I but you're, know. you're, you're right. I mean, I remember, yeah, Mike Weaver
1: you know, like Mike Weaver, you could tell, like, when he blocked a shot or when he killed off a penalty and it was, like, his effort that did it and he got, like, the, you know, he got the accolades from that. Like, he would play better the rest of the game. Like, he would maybe even get an assist. And it's kind of like Weger has that same mentality. And you want a defenseman who enjoys that stuff because regardless of what people want to tell you today, defense is not about getting points ever like that should be like the last thing a defense like that should just kind of happen based on what a defenseman does but a defenseman shouldn't be worried about it or thinking about it or all that like to be honest that's just my personal opinion and i mean i I think
0: the only free agent that you could even remotely consider in that regard and he's probably going to be too expensive is david savard that's probably the only i don't want him anymore i don't want him at your, again, I'm saying it's probably not going yeah. to be a free agent.
1: Screw him. Scum. Scum. Yeah. Scum.
0: Scum. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. but
1: Yeah. Th- yeah, I, I was tired of his just grabbing Barkov and wrestling with so him. The, if so there is, so is a grown guy. man that's going to wrestle with Barkov for no reason and assault him, it will be me. I will not <sighs> let Dennis Savard or whatever his name is do it. David
0: Savard. You're going to call him Serge Savard at some point. Anyway... Uh, that I I think you're right. I would right respect Serge
1: a lot more than
0: that. Uh, I bet you do. Uh, so I think that's a really good primer on what this off is going to look like. It's going to be a fascinating one for the Panthers. But I mean, but it's, one...
1: it's it's huge. I mean, it is oh, of the it is. biggest off season. I mean, it is going to be what Barkov makes a decision on. It's going to be what sets up and frames Huberdeau's decision. It's going to. You know, they're going to have to have very uncomfortable conversations with both Spencer Knight and Sergei Bobrovsky. They're going to have to have a conversation with Spencer Knight saying, hey, it's not going to go as fast as you want it to be all the time. Yes, we're going to accelerate you when we can, when you play good and all this stuff, but you're not going to play 60 games. You're not going to do, you know, you're not just going to jump into this. And they're going to have, a, have the conversation with Bobrovsky that this is going to be happening sooner than you thought it was. You know, you're not going to be the. You're not going to get the reins automatically, out of training camp, possibly. You know, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to be fighting this kid a year earlier than you thought, or whatever. And that's just the way it's going to be. Or you can sign a deal in KHL, and we can forget our contract (laughs) ever existed. We're happy about that. We're happy to do that. Uh, You know, and those are the conversations going to have to happen. And the reactions to these conversations, the reactions, or the. The outcomes of those decisions that are made, you know, what they do at the draft table. This is a good year to keep a pick. This is also a pretty good year to trade a pick, depending on how you look at it and, you know, what your list is and and how comfortable you are with standing up and calling someone on round one, because you can get somebody round one, two, and three who are all maybe in the top five of your draft list, depending on how, like, this is going to be a crazy draft. Or, you might get no you might every time you go to draft, you might hate everybody that's like the best five ten players available and be like oh let's trade back let's trade back and just keep trading out of this year's draft you know that's something that could also happen too so you know what zito and florida decides to do is going to be monumental and i'm happy with just letting zito figure it out and just watching uh and When's I do the hope last time you? Pick. When's
0: the last time you said that about a Panthers general manager? I'm happy to let them figure it out.
1: Um,
0: Almost never.
1: Never, dude. Like, I mean, what, I mean, and again, I guess... it's not that I trust. It's not that like I don't think. He's, like, it's not that I don't think I could be on a podcast in August being like, "What the hell did we just do? Like, that was awful. Like, we we traded up and picked him, and then we, you know, we let." We, you know we signed this defenseman or we gave Montour a five-year five million dollar contract and just when we got out of Strawman we signed a Strawman contract to hold us back you know like I could be saying all this stuff soon but it's just like with Zito's at least I don't have to micromanage
0: <laughs> well I think I mean first of all you, you know, know like to, to cope conference.
1: as a coping mechanism you know what I mean was not like micromanaging his... and is really doing anything. I no, understand. but you—you you, you, you saw,
0: him. you know, he—you saw him in his press conference. He had the—he had the shadow, the, like, I mean, I was like, that—that's a—that's a South Florida look for a dude that's only been here for like eight months. You know, he—he he looked like he was South Florida at this point. So I think he—I—I I think it's all in. But I also think, on a serious note, I do think. When you look at his first off season and the limitations he had, he did an incredibly good job with it. I think that the process to hire him ended up in the right place. You know, I mentioned it on the last uh, last year when I was like be, his name because it was the only one I could think of as a legitimate candidate. But I mean, he, his first season was really good, but now he's got to be better, and that is a task that he is set. And I think because of the way he conducts himself and the way that the team has started to conduct itself that there is every reason to think, yeah, he could screw it up because all NHL general managers can screw up and will, but you have more confidence that he can truly put this team to the next level. And if they get this offseason right, then you're talking about a Stanley Cup contender next year. You are. And you're talking about a team and that, that can with Tampa has with
1: and that has to be the bar.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: like so next season's bar is you
0: need to win playoff
1: series. You you got you, there. Good. Now you got to do more than that. Like the like you like the New York Islanders every year go into the year expecting to make the playoffs, win a playoff round or two, and if they don't, they are burn it down angry. You have to be better than that cuz you are better than the New York Islanders. You you know what I mean? Like you are better than some of these teams that constantly are they better than Montreal yes they should be yeah and and, you know they at this point Florida is operating at a level that they are not overcome by Montreal's cash advantage obviously Viola's rich and it will throw money at some problems and everything but he's not beer money burn it rich because when you are the Molsons? Uh, you are printing money because you make beer and you're never going to go out of business. You're never going to have a bad day. The, when the economy goes down, your sales go up. So it, you can't lose.
0: Well, I have to say to Vinny Viola, I mean, he did all right during a pandemic when some of his right. fellow NHL owners took a bath. So, right. I mean- and,
1: and what I'm saying is, you know, between Viola's willingness to spend, between Viola's willingness to use – efficiency to uh, employ all the different tactics uh make the right hires and do all that stuff Montreal definitely like kind of has the thing of oh we'll just keep throwing money at it we'll just keep trading our way out of problems blah 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 and uh Florida's trying to structurally build good successful winning uh I if think they a little more winning, winning
0: can happen on autopilot if you're a good organization. Sometimes it runs itself, and that's what good teams are. You want to be Tampa. You want to be Boston. You want to be Vegas. You want to be Colorado. Yeah. You want to be good teams that run by themselves in a good way. You want to be the organization that others are modeled after. Say that's what we need to be, and can they be that? Yes, but this is the big step so, towards taking that.
1: And and I mean, I don't have names. Like we talk about, who are the defensemen they can get. I don't have names, but they need to find like the next Jeff Petrie. They need to like go, you know what I mean? Like when we talk about these defenders and stuff, they need to go get their, their models, whatever they're working with, get their pro scouts to get together and be like, this is the model. These are the defensemen we want to go get. And if we can't get them, who are the guys that are cheaper, younger that are buried somewhere that, that show the same profile Show the same habits, show the same personality that we can actually get, and then puff them up, basically, because you know what that's what Fendell's good at—puffing yeah. them up.
0: Well, they also—that's what their entire first off-season basically was. You know, right. well, in in larger well, But work-
1: what they didn't do it with. I mean, they did it with. Uh, I mean, I don't think they. They well, did okay. it out minus that defensive crux, and I think they did it minus the. well, I think they thought they did enough with Duclair as being their top end goal scorer, um, but I think they would still have to. I think maybe with Bennett they got enough, but we'll see. I, I think prospects, all that stuff. Well, and, and
0: Lindell and yeah, yeah. I was, am,
1: so I mean, like I said, it's just it's just getting it's just doing that with the defensive. Quality, But, I mean, they have to get a Verhage one or better. Like, they yeah. can't get, they can't, like, yeah. They have they to get a really good defenseman. Like I said, it has to be a Jeff Petrie, who is somebody who, you know, was taken on the flyer in Montreal and has now become one of their better more or, or just a defense simple defenseman. thing
0: it's got to be a guy like Uyghur I mean I mean not drafting well, and developing I mean I think that's what but... Uyghur
1: ends up I mean there's a lot of big hype and I think always sensationalization of a player in their prime especially when they have the hair like Uyghur does um but you know I think when we look back on it and everything and you look at the numbers and everything like that you can say Uyghur's career is going to be like a petrie like somebody who is a very good first pair one b support defenseman who is good at offense like supplying offense subtly and just shutting people down defensively shut subtly and you know just works everywhere left side right side all that stuff and it's a true compliment if they can get another one of that then you but also think need. about That's it like this way too. Game.
0: I mean, you, you might be nervous about it, but think about it this way: if you get that kind of defenseman, and you make the right moves, you are a cup contender. You can win the well, Stanley Cup next year.
1: You have the ro- you have the roster that should contend for the cup. But we have, I mean, we we were wrapping this up and everything, and we kind of maybe danced around it. At least I did a little bit. We haven't even really addressed the big shortcoming of the year, which was the coaching. Which was, I mean, and not to say that Quinville was bad or every or anything, but it was some of the matchups. It was some of the lines, it was the unsettling of the goalies. It was not being able to adapt to different schemes and adjustments the other teams were making. It was not having a power play that adjusted until they were forced to use five forwards with an injury that made them switch guys around, made them have more movement on a power play, which even the most casual fans were pointing out that Florida needed to do more, move on the power play, try new things, etc. cetera. Uh, and, you know, what, what changes are they going to make there? Is there going to be a coaching change? Not Joel Quenville, obviously, but Andrew Burnett, like is Dale Tallis going to be, or whatever his name, not Dale. Rob Tallis. Rob Tallis, Dale Talon. Rob Tallis. They both were there way too long and one is still there. But I mean, you have lair as a goalie consult now. You have Luongo and Luongo uh, goaltending firm set it up. You have, um, you know, maybe you can bring in one of Leo Luongo's or Roberto Luongo's like protégés or guys that they really respect in the goaltending. Or maybe, you know, or you bring in spencer knight's goalie coach or something you, you just go out and you pay this dude like to leave wherever he is or you know whatever to be the goalie coach you know as part of the tandem because there was something off about their goaltending this year and it wasn't and it wasn't it wasn't all year it was down the stretch and in the playoffs it was the decision making it was the rotation it was the things behind the scene whether it was Quinville's decisions or the department of excellence decision and Tallis has been there way too long with not good enough results he's the guy that obviously you would make the room that would have to go to make room for somebody new coming in you know Burnett as uh, same you know all Samuelson maybe he should go maybe he shouldn't but to me he's just been in one year the defense was definitely improved they definitely adapted over the season uh so i'm willing to give him another year burnett has been here two years so um i'm i'm less likely to give him another shot
0: well i want to say first of all about quenville because we do want to talk about the uh, uh drafts and some other things before we leave and we don't want it to go on forever um, there were rumors, and they were bad rumors, it turned out, that he might be interested in going to Seattle because of Ron Francis or some... I couldn't tell I, you what it was.
1: I don't it's, know. I mean... It's not It happening. was a New York Post rumor. Well, I don't... It,
0: okay, first, first thing I want to say, it was before that, and then I heard Greg Wyszynski on Puck Soup say he looked into it, and it turned out it was actually the opposite of that. So, <laughs> that Which I, Seattle I mean, Kringle has no interest in the, leaving.
1: Seattle, so basically, Seattle... Pre- Tried to approach Quinville behind the scenes, or there was something, or and Quinville said, "No, I'm not really interested in in coming. I'm I'm staying put." And yes. since there was smoke around it, whoever heard the rumor misinterpreted or deceivingly said yes. the wrong. Word.
0: I I don't doubt that Seattle probably did some digging into that, but then Joe Quinville said, "No, I'm 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 good here." Here's- and but and also I do want to say for for Sasha Barkov to bring this all back full circle. Uh, Sasha Barkoff has never had a coach with the Florida Panthers that has lasted three full NHL seasons. I know the game numbers are what they are because the pandemic. But he's never had an NHL coach that lasted three seasons. And yep. Joel Quindle's going to be the first. And Barkov's about yeah, to yeah. turn 26 or whatever. It's insane.
1: I, I'll say this. When it comes to a guy like Quinville, and when it comes to a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity of starting a franchise in Seattle like the Kraken Presents, again – I'm not saying it's gonna. I I agree. It's probably bullshit rumors and everything, but let's just say this summer it becomes apparent that Barkov, whatever, aren't going isn't going to be re-signed. Blah blah blah. Yeah, Quinnville might be out, or you know, maybe he doesn't think that they can build the winner, whatever. And even if they do sign Barkov, it's just going to be you know endless, pointless. Or you know you never know what's going on behind closed doors or what somebody uh, like Quinville's thinking. Uh, he's definitely entitled to pit, to walk up and leave and and drop that contract, I guess, and walk away from it. But I, I doubt he will.
0: Okay. Again, I, I I think that you have
1: again. But there's, are you, no re, there's no reason
0: you, to think that these that these people aren't thinking along those lines. But all but, the tea leaves that we have suggest that that's not happening.
1: Do you like? I think that there should be more talk and more pressure, and this is why. What, what, kind of you miss out on Florida not really being a hockey market is that there will never be questioning of whether a coach should be fired or not. Um, for, I mean, happens. and if there, and if there is, it will be a head coach, and it'll be like a Tom Rose situation. And obviously, even Florida could see that. You know, Florida fan base was like, "This is enough. I've had it," um, and that's because they care. Uh, and but do they care enough to put some pressure on getting that penalty kill fixed? You know, making sure their defense of coach is here's able the to test adjust of Florida multiple as a hockey times. market that
0: I here's a test of Florida as a hockey market that I want to go with you and, and follow me here on this logic. This team has never been good enough where this market has cared in that way. But it's quite possible that next season is the year where this market cares about it in that way.
1: Do you follow? I I do. I do. But the – and and so I just hope that maybe Zito is caring, you know, because I think now they have a GM that is turning over every stone, that is looking at everything, is looking at every option. And I hope that he's at least looking into possible replacement candidates and if he should find one, has the confidence from ownership to make the move. Uh, and has the confidence and trust from Quinville to make the move as well cuz i think i think that there should be a change on the bench based on what i i thought it was the most disappointing part of this season their preparedness to play games their preparedness to match up against player teams and players and lines um you know some of their line matchings and and some of their player personnel decisions were a little behind the eight ball and late uh, and that to, and I don't want to say it was bad, but in a year where everything breaks their way, player performance-wise, luck-wise, health-wise, for the most part, um, you know that kind of does stick out.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I I think it is okay. In a market like this, where you can criticize the coach for some of the decisions that you make, and that's what good hockey markets do. You, the coaches are not infallible, even Joel Quenville's not infallible, they are human beings. And you can criticize some of the decisions he made, and we did. And I think that that's going to get louder in a year when the expectations are greater. And it always should be that high when you're paying Joel Quenville that much money. We talked about it earlier in the year when we saw the Joel Quenville for can't... Jack Adams but no. the
1: the problem is if you go into next season and by the time the fans are if the fans are calling for it during next season well then we're all then, then we're all in trouble but right and and again you know I'm not saying it's t- well if the fans call for it it'll happen or anything like that I'm not that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying that you would the the time to make the move I think is now uh with Burnett I, I said and you know nothing no hard feelings or anything like that i'm not saying he's bad well, job or anything
0: coach lifestyles and yeah it's life not lifestyles and, and
1: life- i don't want it to be gordy kinnear and i don't want it to be greg kinnear and i don't want it to be dave kinnear or you know the friend of a former guy i mean we just saw the philadelphia flyers name ian le the head of the coach for the Phantoms. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so let's let's year, make so. uh, let's
0: one thing on AHL next year because Panthers didn't have an AHL team this year. Uh, the Checkers are in a division in the Atlantic Division. Of course, they are with uh Bridgeport. That's Islanders. They named them after the, the Sound Tigers were much better than Islanders. Uh, Phantoms, P Bruins, Wolfpack, They're going to play the Thunderbirds, who are now the Blues affiliate. Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Hershey. That's this their next division next year. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like watching the Panthers manage Charlotte, because that's the one thing we have I'm not have seen. you have to go Spartans to
1: Hershey do. a decent amount, then.
0: Yeah, oh, I mean, you can also go to Lehigh, maybe go to Lehigh Valley with you. Are they, the, are they in the
1: division with the Phantoms? Yes. Oh, wow, okay. Well, yeah, Lehigh
0: Valley are in the same division. So, yeah, maybe, maybe you and I are heading up to the PPL Center or whatever. I think it's called the PPL Center uh, to, watch, to watch AHL games. That would be very Y-Hockey. Uh quite Interesting to see that, so let's go over a couple things briefly before we leave. Uh, congratulations to the Sabres on winning the uh draft lottery in the year when you're going to lose one of your uh, well, not the guy you won in the draft lottery, but close enough, you you know, won the second overall pick. Uh, they're going to trade jack Eichel, obviously. So, uh, I think everyone's talking about Owen Power, but I have no idea what this draft is going to be like, so who the heck knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems to condense the consensus is building around Owen Power one, Matt Benears two. Uh, anybody three, anybody's cousin four, um, and so on. I, I think, you know, to me, Buffalo has a choice. Do they replace the center that they have to trade with the best and really only most likely true top-line center, possibly in the draft, Matt Berniers? Or do they take whoever they think is the best defenseman uh, who may be a little much, more mature NHL-ready and have the cachet to be called the good pick now whether that's owen power brent clark some people like luke hughes that much um you know there's a few defensemen owen power has the a few things going for him the name obviously it's a great uh, hockey name two he just came off of winning a gold at the championships with canada where he was playing over 20 minutes a night yada yada in most most years that would be incredibly impressive. I think it is still impressive in any year at the world championships, but, uh, this year, the, the talent level and the scoring and everything, it was, uh, it was Nick definitely Paul's a down scored golden
0: year. Golden goal for Canada. Nick Paul. So, yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, yeah. Andrew Magnapon is, is Andrew great. Andrew Andrew His... Yeah. Whatever. He's great. And everything it was a Y hockey favorite and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, well, it's I a say, limited I, team. I, I,
0: think, yeah. I think Canada just served to make Anton Lindell mad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, so, this, that's my takeaway from you that. You know, and and I think Owen Power is what I would call, and an, just to be real lazy and use player comparisons, an Ekblad light. He's good defensively. He's good offensively. Uh, but he's a little limited in his mobility. And that's kind of where his, you know, high floor, high, high floor, pretty solid ceiling um, I, the one thing that Bled has over him is he's way more aggressive. He's way more physical. He's way more in your face. Uh, but that's the difference of you know being an exceptional status player in the OHL where people are beating you up at 15 versus you know only be, having one year in the NCA where before that you're just dominating guys in junior.
0: It's a fascinating uh, draft because it could go a thousand different ways, yep. and there isn't a consensus. And the next two years there will be consensus guys. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, well, there might not be consensus guys, but it'll be because there's a few guys who should be consensus number one picks. True. and It's and kind of a, it's yeah, yeah, and especially twenty twenty three. Wow. Uh, that's going to be no doubt.
0: That's going to be. Well, I've already be
1: taken off from work for that draft day, so. Uh,
0: I don't know. Who knows where it's going to be? But I. Who cares? I, I, I I'll really be there.
1: Care. I okay. want to be there in person for sure. I'm already, I will already risk myself in the pandemic part two that happens in 2023.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. Whatever,
1: whatever it takes.
0: So let's focus on, I think, I, for, for the Panthers, I believe if it goes the way that we think it goes, which is your, your first two rounds eliminated uh, and you go by inverse order of record, I think that means they'll be 25 probably. because that one of Colorado Vegas is a better record than them. And it looks like Carolina is going to get eliminated. So they'll be behind him. So I think even if you did it based on first round, it's 23 and if it's not, I think it's 25 and you, and because this draft is bizarro weird, um, you can kind of get a lot of different things. I mean, there's probably
1: like eight guys I know for sure. Plus a goalie or two that'll be drafted by then. And that's what you gotta be hoping. If you're the Panthers, you're like, yeah, let I hope Wallstack goes like fifth overall, and I hope uh, Sebastian Kosa, who's in the WHL and posted ridiculous numbers, like under two goals against, uh, you know, like ridiculous nine four save percentage. Just you know, like shortened season, but if it was in a longer season, Carter Hart's Carter Hart's numbers would look a little silly compared to it. So there's two goals who could go in the first fifteen twenty five for sure. Uh, this year Which is how crazy I, it, I think
0: a couple I mean like When you look at teams Who could take a
1: goalie I mean Detroit at, at Detroit early Because Because he is That goalie If he is a Spencer Knight And with Spencer Knight Playing this year Looking pretty decent Maybe it tempts the team In the In the thinking The
0: other team That could that do it The other team That could Such do a high it,
1: value pick It's 60 minutes a night That you get on the ice
0: San Jose could definitely do it
1: I Ooh, think the Sharks Could that's be interested a good in one.
0: that yeah, the Sharks could be interested in that. Ottawa doubt it. I mean, Arizona yeah, would not, have been if Ottawa they were. Ottawa should picking. have the goaltending already. So yeah, uh, uh, Arizona would have been. I mean, maybe <laughs> Chicago. Maybe Chicago. I could see
1: Chicago. Yeah,
0: I could. I could see Chicago. Possibly. They do pretty Twins. good.
1: They do pretty good drafting some weird goalies though. Yeah, so I
0: mean, I like. But you look at those teams like some of them are too high. You'll never like Columbus wouldn't, but they're too yeah. high. New Jersey's too high. You know, I don't think they would do it. Yeah. L.A. maybe, but I don't think so. I think San Jose I mean, and Chicago would be the two.
1: I mean, there's some guys that are going to be off the board. Matt Berniers is going to be off the board. Owen, Owen Power, Brett not. Clark, you know, they're going to be off the board. Eklund? Eklund, like, but there's talk that he might mu- – like, I think he's going to be off the board by the 20s and stuff. But there's talk now that he might fall out of the 10, top 10. And this is somebody who is putting a better number – like, as good of numbers or keeping lockstep points per game rate in the SHL is Peter Forsberg who is like one of, if not the best all time players of the game. So it's really hard to understand how that would happen or how sometimes people say that like, no one's good in this draft. Um, but you know, there's guys like Kent Johnson who I have fifth overall because his, he is one of the most creative players most skilled forwards in this draft but he came from minor junior in canada played on a really stacked michigan team and he has warts like he's not really good off the puck he's he struggles playing with not he doesn't struggle playing with high-end players but at michigan everybody was high-end and everybody needed to have the puck a lot and he struggled with that and that's just something that he will get used to but it's in a lot he's Elias Pettersson-type player where he could be one of the centers that emerges from this, or he may be, be a winger, who can play 35 goals, 35 assists, 25 minutes a night, and be you know up and down your lineup. I, I just don't understand how he would fall to 25, but the way this draft is set up and the way teams' lists all differ, it's very likely he could slip to 25 or 35. And that's that's crazy to me. One guy that won't fall is Mason Mctavish. I'm gonna say is the uh, he's the hot name this year. Uh, he played in the World uh, Under 18s I believe, uh, Championship, um, and obviously playing pro hockey uh, in the Swiss League I believe um, this year, and then coming to a U18 World Championship he he toyed with guys and he should have. And I think that, you know, for a lot of Canadian scouts who didn't have the junior league to scout and everything, this is really showing well for that, for him. Uh, so he's definitely going to be gone, but I mean, there's going to be so many guys. You know, what's really funny. They, I
0: opened up one mock draft and you know, who took, uh, had taken goalies Detroit and, uh, and Chicago. Yeah.
1: Isn't that that makes hours? a ton. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys that, you know, at 25, I mean, if we're looking at forwards, two guys that i really like i have them when i put out my piece hopefully like in a week or whatever uh, with my new rankings pro core uh and uh billy koivinen they are two forwards probably two wingers uh, in the nhl who just uber creative score and they like when they get the puck on their stick, you feel like it's going to be a goal. You don't think it's going to be a good chance. And that's what the Florida Panthers need. They need guys who it doesn't matter if it's a bad angle shot. They just figure out how to score uh, in, in any way. And and those are two, two forwards. I really like uh, some of the, I really, I'm going to keep saying this D's name all the time. Uh, Tobias Vellin from Finland He's probably like more of a third round pick or a second round pick, but I wouldn't mind picking him at twenty five or you know t- early twenties where, where the Panthers are. If he's your guy, you know Ottawa Senators picked the Jacob Bernard Docker uh, in the twenties, and people are like, oh dude, he's gonna take two years to go to college and all this stuff, but he's coming out of UND now and he's gonna be in Ottawa Senators probably top four next year, and I don't think anyone's gonna be. Thinking while they see him play next year, how is this guy a first round draft pick? I think they're going to be saying, like, how did this guy make it so long in the first round? Uh, Another defenseman, I think a high profile name defenseman that maybe makes it to 25 is Scott Morrow. He played for Shattuck, St. Marie. That's where Crosby played. And I think, I don't want to say McKinnon and, and just because of that, but there's a lot of other NHL players. Uh, who've played there uh, as well Uh, then kind of played a little in juniors but not not much for ushl Um, just because of coronavirus he just wanted to stay didn't want to travel to a new team in that league which i understand but it obviously meant that he was toying with guys and it was hard to get his sense of is this guy a true number one defenseman or does he look that way because he's six, he's, he's, he's huge, he skates beautifully, and he's very offensively gifted, so he can do what he wants. Um, but at, at this, in this draft at 20-something, that's when you take those shots on defensemen. That's what they did with Matheson. It should have worked out better, but that's why you have the development piece for the second half of that uh, equation so, uh, so, let's, after so let's
0: talk about i mean just briefly as we start to wrap this up for this because we are well deep ooh. into the weeds
1: here two more defensemen i just want to say uh vladislav lukashevich a defenseman from russia he's very thin and frail but he's super he's super smart and once he fills out i think he's going to log big minutes in the khl and, and really show himself so scoop them up while you can now in the late round and another one cali or Vessi, i keep mentioning it but this kid went to the south florida hockey academy uh and is now our good friend uh, uh will scouch was talking him up as being very underrated in this draft so uh well that's again good I,
0: I i i'm i'm in very in on the please take people who are you know South Florida, born and reared, it's the time. But the one thing that could happen with this draft is either they trade the pick, which is obviously possible for a ton of different reasons. But also, if you're drafting in this range, you can take whatever you want because the player doesn't have to be ready immediately. You can wait to develop somebody like that. And if you trust your development models, and I think Bill Zito definitely does trust the guys he can develop and the guys he has in place to develop those players, then you can do kind of whatever you want with that. And it is yeah. a process that you could, and it definitely. gives you open. It gives you options.
1: This is definitely the draft to just take big swings, like because you're always there's always going to be like that guy on your list that like shouldn't that like if you were drafting earlier you probably would have picked, but he has some flaws and he fell to you. Just take the swing, like just throw everything else that you were considering out the window and just take that swing on that guy. It's the year because. Your owners and the general managers should expect to come out with maybe a player, but probably nothing because of COVID and crazy chaos.
0: But if you if you get lucky, this is a draft class that could set you up for a long time, and you yep. know, that's, that's how good organizations think. Let's quickly get on to some other, uh, the rest of the playoffs, we talked a lot about Carolina Tampa uh, off the hop, we talked a lot about um, Montreal, um, Winnipeg a little bit off the hop too, uh, Montreal uh is going to win this series. We're recording this Monday, so by the time you hear this they may have already won it. Uh Winnipeg's hilarious. That that was terrible. Uh just just really nothing going on. And I think Montreal's yeah. a better team now that they actually are playing the good young players. Cole Caulfield should have played earlier yeah, in Toronto but, series. But I
1: mean they have a good they have good team dynamics and they have a good core. I mean Tatar, Toffoli, they're good finishers, Niemi, Suzuki. I mean, yeah. I mean they're just uh, you look up and down their lineup, they're guys I would want. they don't they're not necessarily the best team, but if you know if things break their way in a series and they're playing well, I can see why they could win a series, especially against Winnipeg. I, I mean yeah. but i man, I still think I've been the most impressed. Uh, with Vegas. I mean, they just continue to okay, do can I, it. Can
0: I say something about this? Because I, I did not watch most of the game last night because I was watching the U.S.-Mexico. I don't want to call that a soccer game. But, like, Vegas got so thoroughly destroyed in game one. Uh, your entire Twitter timeline was, oh, my God, Colorado, are you serious? And then in the next three games, they have been way better than the Avalanche. Well, I think we underrated Vegas a little bit. I mean, they had some games where they played 15 guys because of the cap and other stupid well, things, and they, and they put themselves into that position. But there are two games in Vegas.
1: They're playoff pros. It's, yeah, they it's work, astonishing. They work the refs. They whine and com- I mean, it's the same thing with Tampa. They whine and complain in the media and to the refs, and they work them. They, do every, they know exactly what they have to do, and they know exactly when they have to turn it on. They know exactly what is bulletin board material, what they have to let go. They know when to, you know, and they know the players that can take liberties and that the NHL will let get away with it. You know, they know what liberties to take and w- what liberties you can't take and that kind of stuff. There's a heck of a lot of luck involved in it too, um, but you know, they ride momentum. They they they're a franchise that. They said, okay, playoff hockey is about momentum, theatrics. A lot of it is about showmanship and all of that stuff. And they've leaned into it. I mean, you look at that arena, it's hard to find your composure down 3-1 and make it a game and not fall 4-5-1 um, when that, when that arena is going. And, you know, that's not different when the when the ball arena is is rocking in full Uh, it's really hard to come back again and that's what you saw with vegas so it's going to be what does bednar do to to respond you saw him come pretty hard after the first loss at his team in the media and they were Um, even worse yeah and i don't know like the i mean on its nose that seems like the word the bad call and everything but again that i much i don't I don't know if I would have done that in the media, but I definitely would have challenged the players like that behind closed doors. That would have been my response as well. You know
0: what's interesting about so I don't this really hate team? That. You know but what's he- interesting about this team? I wonder if they'd even been challenged like that this year because everything for them had come so easy. You know, And then game one, perhaps it was bad that they dominated them the way they did because maybe they thought, hey, we can really play truck these guys without you know considering the circumstances of oh vegas just played a seven game series and now has to play at altitude they're going to be tired and they're going to be leggy and then since then you know they've been vegas and uh, i mean this series has better hope that's him.
1: this narrative oh, he can sell to the playoffs you know because what's really funny if you he can't get funny? it done i mean it comes to him because i mean this yeah you could get, get i mean you i know can it's get vegas but they shouldn't be losing yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but well, the thing about losing. this
0: team is, as I mentioned it before, they are playing that go-go-all-the-time style, very Florida Panthers-esque, and obviously the Avs are better at it. Uh, and Vegas has counteracted it, and I think it is now it is now on for Jared Bednar, who, again, in large regard, this year you could have been in cruise control because the Avs were so good. But now you've got to find a way to make that, obviously, count. And, and it and, comes
1: down to can they – how do they pick up the pace again and get out of these small games? Get out of you know and get because what did Colorado do good was which was the the move fast, high pace, spread them out, um and and then pick apart those open lanes once they're spread out. Vegas let them spread out, took their lumps, and now that the the game spread out and everything, they're going back, applying pressure all the time, always forward-checking too hard, etc. And with, you know, Colorado's D being risk takers, you know, that eventually piles up. And like you said, Vegas has found their ability to finish. There is, some,
0: there is you know, and I, I, I say it, there were some Tampa and Colorado at times where they were just more opportunistic. And then you watch Vegas and you go like, Tampa can play go-go all the time, you know, fire wagon hockey. They also know what it takes to lock it down. And you know what? And perhaps Colorado doesn't know how to do. They don't necessarily know how to lock it down. Like, they've got guys who can do that. I mean, Nazim Qadri's an idiot and got suspended. And I think, obviously, he changed the dynamic when he can come back, which is shortly. But, you know, like, maybe that team is a little too one-note. You know, they don't have the quite the ability to play another way. Yeah, we, when we know, you lose
1: when you lose the door of in, in Cole and that's obviously going to be the narrative. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's that. I mean, I think it's just maybe the coaching is to one note. I mean, I look at a team with Adam Graves, uh, not Adam Graves, Ryan Graves, Ryan Graves. Uh, but I look that's at a team enough. with Ryan Graves, uh, you know, he's, he's someone who can play better defensively and he's playing awful right now. I look at a team that is playing Patrick Nemeth and they don't need to. There's Jacob McDonald. There is Panthers I mean, I, legend
0: Jacob McDonald.
1: Yeah, and there's you know, uh names escape me, but there's Connor a Connor Bo Bowen Byram can play. I mean Connor Timmins is playing right now and is is looking okay. Um, but there you know, you don't have to play Nemeth every night. That he wasn't brought in by Sackick to be an every night guy and there don't have the injuries that he should be playing every night. So there's so, just some little things and it's, can they, can they do what Florida couldn't do when faced in this situation, which was bring it, bring it back in, stop trying to get down the ice so quickly, bring it back in, get up the ice together in a five man unit, short, quick passes, small games, work your triangle offense, work hard, get your, you know, bear down on your sticks a little more and just put be hard on pucks, hard passes, hard shots. You know, and and skate through everything. Uh and what they also need to do is Vegas right now is better trolling. They're better baiting Colorado into into penalties and everything. So until until that happens, they need to only play between the whistles and let Vegas take penalties trying to keep up with your footwork taking trips taking holds hooks and then once you start you know getting that momentum from those power plays and stuff then you can start getting into the extracurricular activities and stuff like that but they need to get control of the game and and the pace um because it is going to be two bullies really fighting and one the other has the control of the reins, it is going to get ugly. It's just, can they withstand that? Can they take their lumps and keep going? What, what I started saying this whole segment with is, that's the thing I've been impressed with Vegas is, they are just professionals at getting punched, getting back up and enduring and getting making it through. Um, I don't think that they're necessarily that great. I mean, they are a team that, for all intents and purposes, hangs with Colorado in most departments. Um, but you look at the roster and they shouldn't. I mean, you, they, they really shouldn't. Uh, they have great goaltending and that, that helps a lot. But um, their center depth, they get so much out of it because everything works. Everything yeah. is made to be just the right aggression, the right energy level at the right time. They know when to turn it off and dial it back. They they turn it on like a heart attack, and then for a while it is overwhelming. And a team like Colorado sometimes looks like they can't even keep keep up. But but then once they become overwhelming, they dial it back and get and start reserving their energy, start playing safe, and start you know just suffocating the other team like a wet blanket. Hi,
0: uh, uh, the highlight um, that I just see uh, Jesse Granger, the Athletic, um, the the headline. How did the Golden Knights substitute Colorado's high-acting offense with intense, unrelenting pressure? You just said it. Vegas forecheck and neutral zone pressure, forcing the abs to make the simple play, and at this point they haven't taken it. And you know what? For well, teams yeah, to play the two, way they do.
1: They're too sometimes... spread out to make the simple play because usually the simple play is the dump to you, the underneath support, the guy who's swinging uh, you know, five feet from you uh, with momentum that can take the pass easily and that has the head of steam to get up ice and out of that area that is troublesome when you're spread out and those three of those guys are all the way up the ice and the other D's kind of spread up and going too. you don't have those simple plays. Your simple play is a long stretch pass is a, is a chip it in the air. And you see Girard do that a lot where, you know, he's pulling back toe dragging and flipping the puck up into the neutral zone with like, you know, kind of one foot in the air off balance because he doesn't really have a a quick short pass or he's just banking it off the boards all the way down the ice for an icing. Whether it's Gerard Macar, Graves, Taves, you know, they're they're all finding themselves isolated and alone.
0: It's great coaching for Pete DeBoer. It's great coaching for Pete DeBoer, and he's using yeah. his his players really well. It's it's become a it's, really fun series.
1: It's it's just staples. I mean, it's just the staples. I mean, if you ask DeBoer, he. He'd probably tell you what he's doing. He'd probably tell you exactly what he's thinking because he knows it's the staples. He knows Nard knows what he's doing and what – but it's – Vegas is committed to doing it. They're, it's second nature to them by now to do it when they get on the ice. And they're just betting on Colorado over seven games, not being able to do it enough to win four of them.
0: And listen, they might be right at this point. Now, what what was really interesting to me is my thought after game one when the Avs just whitewashed them was like, oh, the, the Golden Knights are going to trade for Jack Eichel. <laughs> it's be, of course they are. Um, they that's still might. Does. I mean, they, they still, still they might. still could. If they don't win this series, they could easily Even do if that.
1: they. I mean, I think Vegas has always just been take the gamble when it presents itself. Well, I itself. mean, it's Vegas. I mean, this is yeah. what you have to do. I mean,
0: and, and by and the way, Colorado
1: as, as... is definitely still the better team. is definitely still favored to win the series, I think. And to me, it's can Bednard, or, you know, can the Avs coaching staff and the Avs leaders get the team to take that step back, to, to move up ice with the puck, you know, as a unit when they get to the neutral zone, skate it through be you know decisive with the puck be direct with it and move it quickly mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think they can they'll easily I mean because then at, once they start doing that then what does Vegas do because they, they've if never if, if they've Vegas never had has a to team play in that, track
0: me they can't play to track meet.
1: yeah and it and you know and if Vegas has never been able to play with a team that can match the heart attack the dramatic manipulation of the game pace, just the the sheer um, wherewithal that they have that wears other teams down. And so when they do run into that, what do they do? They don't know. It's the same thing like what we're saying with Colorado now. This is the first team that's ever reacted against Colorado and has been able to kind of stifle them for more than a couple of periods. I, I think um, that, and uh, so you know, there are, there are very good,
0: Vegas is definitely equipped to do it. And obviously the team that wins this series is probably going to beat Montreal in five. And then that'll be famous last words. Uh, one other series quickly, right. Islanders-Bruins, really sludgy hockey, but the atmosphere at the Coliseum is really cool. know a lot of Islander fans. I think, you know, they, the Islanders are who they are. And you might hate the way they play. I find the way they play kind of awful at times. And I think the Bruins are a really good team. With Taylor Hall, they're so much better. They make smart additions this. all the time but this I don't but this is
1: okay. it's not original six hockey but this is original six hockey if you're from the northeast and you know any dude in his like 50s to 60s and the way he drinks beer and talks about hockey and his glory days it's, and everything it's this. It's this. that's what this is I mean this is that and you know whether you like that or not that you know all that window dressing everything that's one thing I necessarily don't care for all of that especially the whole Borellis and all the you know all the Clark Gilly
0: smashing a can of beer on I mean, his head I
1: mean I like that I like that Well
0: that was I like cool that. I have to say but that's what we're talking
1: I, about here Yeah I mean say. this is this is yeah just launch pale mentality uh I, I want Boston to And win. I I I don't find it boring cuz to me there's oh, it's nothing intense. boring there's nothing boring or there's nothing boring or uh about winning so like if the, the trap everything i don't care i want to see teams that are desperate to win that will do anything besides basically manslaughter to win hockey games true
0: um i will say i will say this though that i mean it, the intensity is really high i mean it's, it's intense hockey you can feel it uh the atmospheres are great uh it's really close you know you want to see that in the stanley cup playoffs uh, I, I think Boston's made some obviously I mean, I have a Taylor Hall but guys like Lazar and Mike Riley have been good. You know, they they this is that's how that's that's what good teams do. And they're doing that. And uh, the Islanders too. I mean, they're doing it without Anders Lee. I think Oliver Wallstrom got hurt at some point, so he's not playing and they're doing it with Andy Green yeah, and Friday stage. This
1: would be a much more fair fight with Anders Lee. I think for you know, more like even more so than Eckblad. I mean, I think Anders Lee is a huge part of that Islanders team and uh, I think he would be good for two or three goals in that series. And looking at how that series has played out, two or three goals is that series. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, everything's one puck. Everything's one puck right now at that and,
1: point in that series. And, I mean, as much as people are saying, like, playoff hockey needs to change and, you know, with this whole Shifley thing, which is a whole different thing and all this stuff. We've
0: already been going two hours. Leave of, it to other people to talk about that. At, at the end of the day.
1: To win a Stanley Cup, you need to assemble a team that is willing to go through the wall, that is willing to always be going all out, every shift, that uh, you know, just like there's so much physical and mental commitment and focus that is required to win a Stanley Cup, on top of all the luck and health and all and skill and all that other stuff, uh, that you can't you can't oversimplify things with just charts or just uh regular season results and things like that um you know they're obviously teams using data and advanced stats to f- build these teams and you know like vegas like tampa colorado bay and stuff colorado on that or you mean carolina of course but you know you can't you know it's a lot harder to predict and to account for that human element and for that commitment and for all of it, and uh, you know, as you can see, it's also hard to respond to for a coach. It's and hard. That's to the biggest in the challenge. Yeah, and I don't want to change that necessarily. I, and really I want Florida to adapt hardest. that mentality. Oh, of course,
0: and that's what I'm saying. Like you know, it's
1: going to be hard, but I mean,
0: there's nothing wrong with it being hard. The, and people the say it's a hard thing... championship to win, and it probably is.
1: The one thing I'll say about the the Shifley comment, and this is the hit and everything, and maybe it was suspension for head contact. Maybe it wasn't. But the conversation has been so warped out of control. This whole he traveled so far, distance and everything, if this was a hit on a defender rounding the net on a breakout by a four checker, no one's talking about distance traveled or everything. We're only talking about the head contact. We, you know, there was Shifley made his defense about how he's trying to play for the puck. I thought that was stupid. Just admit what you were trying to do. You were trying to pound the stone. You were trying to exact punish. You were trying to exact a physical toll over the course of the series that you would lead, that would lead you to win. That's what you, that's what you were told you did in round one. Why wouldn't you do it again in round two? I, I mean, like, we have to have these honest conversations about what these players are doing and acting on. Uh, It was a legal check to the head. I'm happy he got a couple games or whatever it was. Not four games. But I I hope that they they apply that that, there's that much outrage. And, you know, if it wasn't an empty net goal at the end of the game, I mean, it's the context, it's the perspective, it's the social media outrage that makes it a lot worse than it is. I'm not saying it wasn't bad. I'm not saying Evans deserved or whatever. But – I know, and then you follow it with a butt and all that stuff. But, like, I saw all the clips online of Evans constantly getting ragdolled. Like, there's a lot of times where players these days, not just Evans, assume that they will not get hit. And that is a very dangerous thing. We just talked about how in the playoffs, how people are going balls out and everything like that 100%. Think about the team, the guys these teams in the playoffs employ. Ryan Lomberg's is one of the nicer ones that does violent things to you on purpose. Well, like I mean, you Vegas know, employs Ryan Reeves. Like you cannot, uh, you cannot be rounding the net on a wraparound like that. The end of the game, that's already been contentious and stuff. Like there's nobody else on the ice. You cannot do that. Like, and yes, even if he was ready to receive the hit and everything, it still should have been a re- suspension. But he's let your like players get more hurt. It looks a lot worse when the person's not ready to get a hit, and that's why they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable because they're not expecting to get hit. I'm not saying he had to eat the puck in the corner, but you come around the net like expecting the six guys that Winnipeg's has on the ice to be coming down the ice to hit you, because that's what they're doing. That's hockey, like in the playoffs. Until the rules change, until they do what I want them to do, which is Hitting is for separating the puck from the b- body only. So if the guy doesn't have the puck, there's no use to hitting. So you wouldn't have this issue. You wouldn't have Mark Schleifle trying to make a hit on a guy because he already scored. The puck's gone. But until we have that, until we, until we stop celebrating the fact that Montreal, through attrition, wore down and shut down Toronto. And same with mcdavid and stuff i'm i i'm fine with it but you know you're you basically just,
0: saying you can't have your cake and eat it too
1: yeah you you can't tell adrenaline athletes that they in the moment should be able to decide that they need to pull back the hit because the person's vulnerable when the person on the ice doesn't need to Be aware of other people, or doesn't need to know that. Hey, I'm vulnerable. I shouldn't be vulnerable. How
0: can you deprogram something that has been programmed into their
1: head? You can't expect somebody with adrenaline and somebody in a competitive, you know, it's a conflict of interest for them to be making these decisions. Because again, Schleifly, where's the letter? You know, uh, what if if he if he does what people wanted him to do, which was do a big circle and let up, or whatever, or just reach with his stick? He goes back to the bench. You know what Paul Maurice does? He uses that as a teachable moment of why they lost, and he does all that, or Mike Schaoff, you know like that's so he's a player is never going to be is not conditioned to take that option in the in I mean, the middle of the moment. Right, I agree with you, and like you, we can't we're, we're blaming it on Mike Markfle. the only thing he did was the only thing wrong he did, and I will state this, the only thing wrong he did was make contact to the head. If he didn't make contact to the head and he just blew him up by the shoulders, I don't. That's not a bad hit at all. It's only a bad hit because he hit him in the head. It's not because he made that hit and all that other stuff by the by the rules. Because we want those types of plays in the playoffs, and we have to accept that. Then we can't get mad at Mark Scheifele for that, and again, we can't penalize Mark Scheifele more than Tom Wilson. Again, and, I agree with you, but let's let's uh. Let's okay. So I, I think... would retroactively give Tom Wilson Tom four Wilson, games. Is, just I think a lot of he...
0: people would retroactively want to give Tom Wilson suspensions. And and, and, and also,
1: that. yeah. I mean, and and again, it's the same thing with Kadri's hit. Kadri is again. He's trying to make a hockey play based on the way hockey is coached in the playoffs to him, and he's been conditioned. That's mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. I will take that over somebody seeing the numbers and going through, because that's never, that's not like, that's not, you know, you're not trying to make a hockey play or the throwing people down by their hair and stuff like Ryan Reeves admitted. I pulled out this guy's hair, throwing him down to the ice and he got less, less than Shifley. Uh-huh. on that. That is a hundred percent unacceptable.
0: So let's, uh, Say that this has uh, been a very long chat, very fun chat, and I will say that we will have some probably some guest shows in the midst of the rest of the playoffs. But we're going to prepare ourselves for the week that will come at the end of July with an expansion draft, NHL draft, and free agency. I'm
1: just all I'm just getting ready for the draft. Really, I'm going to give you a chance to to recharge
0: your batteries. Don't worry, why hockey? We'll be back with some stuff. If there's stuff we need to talk about, we'll talk about it. But you've gotten two hours. I think this show should be evergreen. Again, expect some cool things coming in the next few weeks, but we're we're saving our our uh, our energies for what's going to happen at the end of July, when a lot of cool stuff is coming down the pike with all these with all these moves, and we're excited about it. So, yes, hold us, hold the Florida Panthers to these expectations, and uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs.